Anyways, all that to say, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, can we pray before we jump in? And then we'll uh, get into God's word tonight. Lord, we love you. And uh, God, we really just want to meet with you tonight. God, um, us showing up um, for anything other than you, God, would just be missing out on something really beautiful. And so, Jesus, you are alive. Uh, we sang that. You are, you are speaking. Uh, you are the all-powerful creator God who has rescued us, who is rescuing this world. And God, we, we long for you. And we want to, uh, God, open up our hearts to you, to what you have to say to us. And so, Jesus, uh, we just ask that you would speak. Uh, Lord, I know it's finals week for a lot of people. I know there's a lot going on in life in this season. Typically, holiday season is full of a lot of joy, but also a lot of sorrow. Um, so, God, for those in our family who are hurting, God, we pray that you would bring comfort uh, and that you would be the God of grace and comfort who helps us in our time of need. God, for those of us who are celebrating and uh, giving joy uh, or receiving joy and giving thanks, God, we do thank you and we love you and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, how, so it's Christmas time and uh, one of the things that I love about Christmas is uh, I love getting gifts. I don't know about you guys, but I really like uh, I really like getting gifts. And one of the things that I haven't grown out of is w loving getting gifts. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to this time of year. Um, I, I don't. I was just I was on a phone call with a friend this morning. We we're just talking about how stressful it can be. Like it feels like like the the number size of like our family just keeps growing, and like Christmas just gets really expensive. But like when those gifts come to my tree and come to uh, like you know when the pile gets pushed my way when we sit in my wife's. Uh, my family's like family room. I just love it. But one of the things I don't like about Christmas, and let's just be honest, is when you get a gift you don't want. Right? Have you guys like ever been like, like somebody's like really excited to give you something, and then you open it and you're like, oh, thanks. You know, like for me, uh, don't tell Crystal this because she's not here tonight, but like every single Christmas, Cr Crystal always tries to buy me sweaters and like really nice clothes like that I can go out and like wear nice clothes on dates with her, and I just like, babe, like, we have all year for you to buy that for me. Like, Christmas, that's not what I want. I, I want some other things. Like, let me, just give me cash so I can go golf with Josh. It'll be great. Like, just, I want some, I want some cash. But um, one of the things that I've started to realize is uh, when I receive a gift that I don't want, that's kind of how I feel about the gift of waiting. Have you guys felt that? Like, this gift, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but God so often has us wait so long for things. And then you come to find out that it's actually really a gift, but you hate the gift. And it's like this thing that's very unwelcome in our lives. And I, and I notice, especially in this Advent season where we're celebrating the arrival of God into our world in the form of a baby in the face of Jesus Christ. But in this season, I, I really feel like what the things that we're waiting on in our lives are like really heightened in this season. And so I know like we're all waiting on something in this time. Um, some of you, I, I, like if you're in a young adults ministry, like everybody's waiting for the gift of that relationship to finally come. Like some of you, let's just be honest, like you're really wanting that person to show up in your life. Some of you, you're, you're waiting for a job, you've been out of college, and you're just kind of waiting for God to, like, provide that, that next step for you, and it hasn't happened. Some of you are looking for job clarity. Is this the job I'm supposed to be at, or am I supposed to be doing something else? Some of you are, are waiting on reconciliation, reconciliation with friends that have been broken over this last year, 
Some of you are waiting for reconciliation with your families. I know a lot of you, and I know, I know a lot of you come from really broken families, so there's brokenness there, and you're waiting on that. So there's like these things outside of us that we're waiting on. But let's just be honest, there's also things within us that we're waiting on. I, I think about my own life and just like waiting for, how many times have you guys just waited for that, that sin pattern in your life to be broken? Like that thing that like, I just can't get over it. And I get a season or a week or two or three of freedom and then I fall right back into that sin and I'm just waiting for God to free me. Some of you, let's just be honest, you're, you're really waiting for depression to go away. And your, 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 your heart's dark, and it's heavy, and you're waiting for joy to come, and it just feels like it's taking forever. And I just want to ask you a question. What are you, what are you waiting for in this season? Because we're all waiting for something. Uh, when I was singing uh, over there, and I honestly don't even know completely how to share what I'm waiting on. The hard part about this uh, message on waiting for me is I feel like some of the things that I've been waiting on the most I actually can't share here. <laughs> Maybe over a coffee I could share with you, but um, I have been in a really hard season with my family. So my mom and dad, me and my brother, and I won't go into all the details. Some of you know, some of you don't. But I, I've just been really faced with the reality that there's been some kind of like things that I've developed in my family that I'm like, I just don't know. Like my family's a mess right now. It's a complete mess, and I love my family, and it's really hard when you're waiting and you don't know if things are going to get fixed. And so I'm in the season, I'm just like asking God, I'm like, God, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like this, this family that I grew up with, that I love everybody so much, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get that back. And so I'm waiting on God, and it's hard. And, and, and this is really ties into our Advent message, because Advent, that word, for those of you who are new to church or kind of just kind of this season, uh, especially in like religious circles, uh, this season where we celebrate uh, the birth of Christ is called Advent. And Advent, that word literally means the arrival. And in Advent, we're, we're celebrating the arrival of God's son into our world. And it really just has reminded me that all of us are, are waiting for the arrival of something in our life. We're, we're waiting for the arrival or the advent of something really important in us and to us in our life. And that's not actually unfamiliar to the people of God and to the story of God and what Jesus' people and God's people have had to experience their whole life. For example, in Isaiah 9-6, a very common uh, kind of Christmas passage, uh, the people of God are in exile to an enemy. God has promised to like make this people flourish in this land called, um, it's kind of like this new garden of Eden. Uh, in Canaan, and he promises this hopeless, dark, really struggling people who are waiting for God to work, just like you, just like me. And, and these, the prophet Isaiah says this, he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So you have these real human beings, and they hear this promise of the son to come. And then they wait 700 years. 700 years. And in Luke 2, this son named Jesus is born. It says, while they were there, that's the shepherds, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth, that is Mary, Jesus' mom, to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, 
because there was no guest room available for them. And then it says this in verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And so God's people, they wait 700 years for Jesus to come. Let's just be honest. Some of you feel like it's taken God 700 years to do that thing that he wants to do in your life. Or 700 years for him uh, to do that thing that you want him to do in your life. And it really begs the question, like, how do we wait? Like, if, if God, like, all throughout the biblical story has, for whatever reason, like, asked his people to wait, and he's let them wait so long for his promises, like, how do we actually wait? Like, while you're living in the gap between either reality is and what you want God to do or where reality is and what God has promised to do for you, like, how do you live in the gap? What do you do when you're waiting? And so um, I, I want to share a few thoughts first, and I thought I would just ask this question because I was kind of processing it. Like, have you ever thought, like, why is waiting so hard? Because let's just be honest, like, is waiting pretty hard for you? Waiting is extremely hard for me, and I kind of wrote down a few reasons. One, uh, one reason waiting is so hard for us is because we live in a culture of instant gratification. So you think about uh, Amazon, you think about uh, streaming TV, and you're like, literally, like, everything in our country, everything in our cultural moment, like, waiting is a bad word. And so, like, when you have instant access to all information online, when you have instant access to watch whatever you want, whenever you want, and you can get it like that, Amazon, all of a sudden, you can order something, and it's on your, like, doorstep that day. And one of the things that you see is the pace of our culture is faster and faster and faster, and you don't have to wait, and you don't have to wait because waiting scene is bad. Then all of a sudden, you look at the pace of God, and you realize the pace of God is not, like, even close to the pace of this world. And so we live in this culture of just this raging fast current, and then God is slowly working. And then you expect God to show up just as fast as our culture does for things, and it creates, like, this tension in us that's really hard. Isn't that true? The second thing that uh, I thought of was that uh, waiting so hard because, let's just be honest, we want what we want more than wanting what God wants for us. In my life, I go, God, I trust you, but I trust my own wisdom a little bit more than you. Like, I just want what I want more than I want what you want for me. And so we kind of have this constant tension where it's just like, all right, Lord, like, I really want what you want for me, but like, I feel like these desires I'm having, like, they're more significant than that. That's one reason. Uh, the, the third uh, reason that I thought uh, kind of waiting is so hard is because let's just be honest, we are very impatient. And the thing about impatience is if you really, like, kind of get underneath the layers of, of impatience, Im- impatience is a war for control. Impatience is a war for control because, listen, when you're impatient, this is what your heart's saying. Impatience reveals that, what, that we believe that something or someone is needed right now besides God for joy and peace. I need to say that again. Impatience reveals that we believe something or someone is needed right now besides God for joy and peace. And then to just kind of share one more layer of this, there's, there's two types of waiting. One, one type of waiting is waiting on the promises of God. And waiting on the promises of God is like, like listen, I'm going to finish what I started in you. I'm going to come and make all things new. Like, we have all these scriptures that when you, like, when you go and read them and you soak in them, God says, they're yours. 
and we wait on those promises. And those are hard to wait for sometimes, but they're a little bit easier because I feel like most of us in the room, now tell me if this is you, uh, most of us are waiting on wants, not promises. And waiting on wants are really hard because you actually don't know the answer. I know, uh, so I just, I just shared how uh, my wife and I are waiting for this baby to come, uh, baby K, because I can't say the name yet, in, uh, in April. Uh, sorry, Josh, I know you really want to know. I'll tell you soon, I promise. But uh, so we're waiting for our baby to come. And so Chris and I, we were laying in bed the other night, and she's like, I'm just really scared. Pretty normal, I think, for most parents waiting for kids. She's like, I'm just scared that this baby's not going to be born healthy. You know, you hear all these stories of people who have lost children, you know, you hear stories of complications, and, and I was sitting there, and what I wanted to say is, like, it's going to be fine. Of course it will. And we're in this season of nine months of waiting, and the reality is, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Waiting on wants is really hard. Think about this, a relationship. Waiting on a relationship is really hard because God doesn't promise it, but we want it. And so this really begs the question, and I know you guys are waiting on things, but how do we wait? How do we wait on God? How do we wait on his promises? And how do we wait on wants? And that's what we're going to do tonight. Open up your Bibles to Psalm uh, 13. Uh, the thing that we're going to see uh, tonight is that when we wait, we pray. Um, and so uh, in Psalm 13, for those of you who are new to uh, the scriptures, uh, Psalm 13 is a prayer. All the psalms are prayers or worship songs that God's people have sang, sung for many of thousands of years. To this day, the psalms are known as like the prayer book for God's people. So if like you're ever struggling on how to pray, uh, I would encourage you to go to the psalms because these. So and then David here, he he's the king of God's people. So he is like, I mean, he is like the king over all of Israel. Uh, scriptures say that he's a man over God's heart. But one of the things that uh, if you read David's, sto David's story, is David went through a lot of really hard stuff. He went through, and he did a lot of really bad stuff. He was a violent man. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. And yet he had a passionate love for God. He was broken and yet dearly loved by the Lord. And so uh, Psalm 13 is, a, is, a, is the psalm where David's being attacked by his enemies and, and he's, he's waiting to, like, let, like, he's waiting for God to work. And so what we have here is David, like, an actual prayer of David while he's living in the gap. And what David teaches us, there's three things that we're going to cover tonight. One, as people of God, we wait honestly. Uh, we wait honestly before God. The second thing that we're going to see is that we wait expectantly. And the third thing that we're going to see is that we wait humbly. So let's, uh, let's, look at, let's look at those things. Um, look at Psalm 13, uh, verses 1 through 2. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long... Will my enemy triumph over me? One of the things that I loved when I was studying this passage is, do you notice how, how like, honest David feels like he can be before God? Like, literally, he goes, like, God, how long? Like, some of you, like, and I feel this way sometimes. Like, when I approach God, it's like, all right, big man upstairs, like, he's the king. I got to be really respectful. And he just, like, he goes into God's presence, and he's not like, 
how long, Lord? He's like yelling at God, like, how long? Like, what is going on? I'm super confused. Like, I'm having all these issues. And like, where are you? And he looks at God and he complains to him. See, one of the things that I, I want you to know right away is that you can complain to God. You can complain to God. We like to complain about God to others, but David shows us that there's freedom to actually complain to complain to God. And there's two things that David reveals to us about waiting. One, waiting can make you feel like God has forgotten you and that he's hiding from you. Did you notice what he said? He's like, God, like, where are you? Like, did you forget me? And like, let's just be honest. When you're like waiting for that thing to show up in your life that you want God to do, doesn't it feel like he's forgotten you? And so he looks to God and goes like, have you forgotten? And the second thing that David shows us is that waiting can lead you to a place of having dark thoughts and uncontrollable emotions. So he's like, why? He's like, I have to be alone with my thoughts. And then he goes like, I have sorrow in my heart. And he's not just like writing like cool poetry. He's like, I, I'm really like struggling. Like I'm in a dark place. And he tells God, let me ask you a question. Do you pray like that to God? In your prayers to Jesus, do you feel like you can be that honest with him? Do you feel like you can be honest with him about the sickness that you're battling with? Do you feel like you can be honest with him about that relationship? Do you feel like you can be honest with him about that sin pattern, that sin struggle, that thing that you can't get over? Do you feel like you can be honest with God about it? Because David would say, oh, God gives you so much permission to do that. And here's what I want to tell you right now. In your waiting, if you feel like God has forgotten you, if you feel like he's hiding from you, if you feel dark thoughts and they're just not going away, if you're having emotions that you can't control, that's okay. And listen, and you're not a bad Christian. You're just being honest before the Lord. And there's another thing that I think I need to, we need to share and just like honestly kind of sit on for a second. And honestly, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I was horrible, like horrible with this when I first got married. I remember my wife was going through some really hard things, and I would just get annoyed and frustrated because um, I'm impatient. And uh, I would just be like, hey, stop, stop, stop. Like, it's okay. Don't know. Like, don't let your mind go there. Like, I would just, like, coach her in her thoughts about, like, where I thought they should go. Um, and what I was robbing her of was the opportunity to be vulnerable with me. And the opportunity for me to go to that place with her. Because let's just be honest, we, like, we don't like to go there with people. Because it makes us feel like, especially if you're not good at showing weakness. To go into the place of weakness with somebody else feels very intimidating. And not giving freedom to honesty robbed me of the opportunity to go to that place with my wife. And not only that, but to go to that place with my wife before God. See, honesty creates intimacy, and that's what we fight for as Christians. I remember this one time also, um, I w related to my family when a bunch of news was coming out <clears throat> with just some things that were happening. I remember sitting on my couch being like, what the heck is going on? And it wasn't just like I was doubting just like God's goodness or anything. I wasn't doubting that, but I was like, do I have this whole Christian thing backwards? Like, is what I believe wrong? And I was just like really wrestling with my thoughts, and I just did not know what to do. Um, and I remember, like, re reading psalms like this. I'm like, all right, Lord, like, I just, I'll tell you. This is how I feel. 
And it got me to a point where I was like, I think I need to like step out of pastoral ministry because like it's creating so many doubts, it's creating so many struggles, and I just can't handle it. The whole time God was just going, just bring it. Just tell me. Tell me what you're experiencing. And so what David, David shows us ultimately to wrap up this point is that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Because David turns the corner in the next part of the psalm. In verses 3 through 4, um, Aiden, if you can put that on the screen. He says, look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So David, he feels like, we just said, David feels like God has forgotten him. So he asks God to look on him. David, David's waiting leaves him with a lot of unanswered questions. So he says, God, answer. I have questions. Like, will you answer? Like, answer me, Lord. And so David's waiting. He, it makes him feel like the enemy has triumphed over him. So he says, Lord, give light to my eyes, which is like this phrase meaning like restore me to life, like save me from my enemy. And, and, and the point that I think that I want to make in these kind of few little verses is David He's expectantly, he's expectantly looking to God, not his circumstance for hope. He looks to God, not his circumstance for hope. I don't know if you notice, it's, it's not saying that David was okay with where he was. Like he's complaining to guys, like God, like my enemy is going to triumph over me, like answer me. But his expectation is not to look to his circumstance. It's not to look to his friend. It's not to look in, like in himself. He goes, he looks to God and he goes, hey, you do something. Answer, I don't know what to do. Will you answer me? And I love that. When you, when you tell God what you need and when you're in the place of waiting and you look to him and you look to him for, to speak to you for the answers, what it shows is that your hope is in God. It's not in another person. It's not in the circumstance. It's in him and him alone. And so I just want to ask you, that thing that you're waiting on right now, as small as it is or as big as, as it is, where are your eyes? Are you, looking, are you looking to the circumstance? Is that where you're fixated? Or are you looking to God in your circumstance? Where are your eyes? And the lesson that we get from this is, one, in our waiting, we hold on to God. We don't hold on to an outcome. In our waiting, we hold on to God. We don't hold on to an outcome. Listen, David wants an outcome. He goes, God, deliver me from my enemies. They're going to triumph over me. But at the end of the day, he wants an outcome, but the outcome is submitted to God. He wants an outcome, but the outcome is submitted to God. Listen, it's not wrong when an outcome and a want is something that you want, it's not wrong to want an outcome. It's wrong when the outcome has you. It's, it's wrong when the outcome has you. When you go, God, I'm out if you don't give me this. God, I'm out if you don't give me this. David goes, listen, I want that, but I'm looking to you and I'm submitted to you, which leads to the third thing is that one, uh, we wait honestly Two, we wait expectantly. We look to God, not our, our circumstance. And three, we wait humbly. And this is where I say David rounds the corner. He says this in verses five through six. Um, he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Just sit on that for a second. But I trust in the waiting. 
I trust in your unfailing love. My heart, it rejoices in your salvation. Pause for a second. Notice, his joy isn't conditional upon the outcome. His joy is rejoicing in the salvation that God has already given him. Keep going. And I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me, even though what I'm going through sucks. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me, and I will praise you. At the end of the day, David looks at his life and goes, listen, God, here's how I feel. Here's what I want. I'm expecting you to answer me. He goes, but I know you love me. And I trust in your unfailing love. And God, I give thanks. It's hard. Waiting's hard, but I trust you, Lord. And I think it still leaves us with a question, because this is probably the main question that I was wrestling with all week as I was prepping for this. But why does God make us wait? Is he, is he playing games with you? Is he playing games with us? Like, let's just be honest. We never, like, we might say that or for me, I probably would never say God's playing games with me, but a lot of times I feel like he's playing games with me. And some of you might feel that way, like God's up there and he's like, he's just holding that good thing that you want. And it's not, want, it's not wrong to want good things in God's world. Like God created this world, he created relationships, he created uh, like bodies to be healthy, he, he created, like he created your mind, he created your heart. Like it's not, want to, it's not wrong to want good things, but is God playing games? And so I want, I want to share with the rest of our message just a few thoughts um, as to why God makes us wait. And this is not exhaustive. This is not every reason, uh, but it's just some thoughts. And I just want you to really receive whichever point I'm about to make that hits you. I just want you to be open to what the Spirit might be saying to you. One, what you are, want, what are, you, what you are waiting for might hurt you if you had it or hurt you if you had it now. See, one of the reasons that God makes us wait is because the thing that you're actually waiting for would hurt you if you got it. Um, or it would hurt you if you had it now. This is such a silly illustration, but I'm just going to use it because it makes the point. When I had all my in-laws in town for Thanksgiving, I was like, hey, guys, if you had a million dollars today, what's the first thing that you'd go and buy? And of course, we're listing all like houses, cars, all this stuff. And then it dawned on me. I was like, why would God give that to me? If the first thing that I'm going to do is go spend it like that, it would hurt me. It would actually hurt like what God designed money to be for and to bless and all this stuff. I was just like, the very, like asking God for that in my life and if he gave it to me would actually hurt me. And, uh, and you guys know this to be true. Every good parent does not give everything to the child the child asked for. We have this little like cute two-year-old uh, like girl, uh, like uh, next door to Crystal and I's house and like, we love and adore her. The older that she's getting, the more bratty she's getting, but also the cuter she's getting. And, uh, but she asked for all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, man, it, like, if her parents like, gave her everything she asked for, like, she would grow up to be like, just not a good person. And in the same way, it's silly, but in the same way, like, a lot of the things that you are like, there's some things in your life that you just don't want God to give you, although you want it so bad. Power and position, like, God, give me that position. Do you know what you'd be like if you got it? I'm not going to give it to you yet. I'll give it to you in 10 years when I grow you a little bit more. So sometimes the things that we're waiting for might hurt you or hurt you if you had it now. Two, um, God wants to do something in you in the waiting. 
And I don't mean this to be cliche, because sometimes it's like, God's going to do something in me. But like, really, like, God wants to do something in you in the waiting. Listen, if you're, if, if you're a Christian, and your greatest desire is to be like Christ, then nothing you go through or have to wait for can ultimately let you down because God is orchestrating everything so that you become like him. So if your deepest and greatest desire is to be like Christ, you can never be disappointed. Paul David Tripp, he says this. He says, waiting is not just about what I get at the end of the wait, but about who I become as I wait. And listen, this is really important, and I really want you to hear this. God's no to you is always a yes to you. God's no to you is always a yes. It may be no to something, but it's yes to you becoming more like Christ. And it's yes to more spiritual wholeness. It's yes to a better relationship with Jesus. So every single time God says no, he's really saying yes to something better in your life. When it seems like nothing is happening, there's something happening. God is always doing something when nothing seems like happening. Thirdly, um, waiting teaches us to long for God. Now listen, waiting teaches us to long for God more than his gifts and even his promises. If you're like me, tell me if this is true. If you're like me, the, the things that, uh, that I tend to wait on, I make a way bigger deal than God in my life. The things that I oftentimes, am, like, I'm waiting for, I'm like, God, would you do this thing? All of a sudden, like, it takes a place in my heart that is way more important than God. So when God says, wait for that thing, I'm not going to give it to you yet, it actually causes me to reorder God's place in my heart. The very act of waiting makes me go, all right, Lord, that's a very good gift, but it's not more important than you. God, that promise that you promised, God, I want that promise so bad. But it's still not more important than you. And so listen, when you wait, what God is helping you grow in is worship. When you wait, waiting is worship. So worship in the wait. So let me ask you this question. What are you waiting for this Christmas season? What are you longing for? Some of you, some of the things that you wait, are waiting on, they're really like, I'm just going to be honest, like, they're not that important compared to the worth of knowing Jesus. And I just want to challenge you to give that, to repent, and to give it to the Lord and be like, God, listen, I have made this good thing you've created way more important than you. I just need to, like, confess that. I need to give it to you. I've had to do that so much over this last year. But there's also another person in here and people, and honestly, it's probably a lot more of us than I even realize. Some of you are waiting on things that are way please hear me what I'm saying, are way bigger, a way bigger deal than just that job promotion, a way bigger deal than just even a relationship or whatever. Some of you are like waiting, in, you're waiting in some real brokenness. And it, it's hard. And it sucks. And uh, I was getting emotional in worship because I see Doug Clow sitting there. And um, I started a relationship with Doug Clow and Karen um, like two years ago, um, the care team at our house, or not, I don't, I don't have a care team. I wish I had a care team at my house. That would be cool. The care team at this church uh, was going to clean uh, Doug and Karen's house, and they reached out to 710, to me, and I said, look, my small group, we'd love to go and, like, help clean. Doug has ALS, and um, please forgive me if I say something you don't want me to, but Doug's faith is incredible to me. 
um, because he's outlived his lifespan already. And he is, every, I feel like every single time I see him, all he can talk about is Jesus. And it, he's, he's waiting on the redemption of his body. Like his body is slowly not working anymore. And his faith is increasing and increasing. And I know him, and he's the most positive person in the world. But I know he's been in the spot that David's been in. I know he's had those dark thoughts. I know, he, I know he's like, God, God, like, will you heal me? And I've been praying with him. I was just there uh, yesterday with my team and just praying that God would bring healing, and he's waiting. And why does God make somebody like Doug wait? This is not the, pa- the answer you're supposed to say if you're a pastor. I don't know. I don't know. But in the waiting, we know two things, and this is what Doug has taught me. One, God is good. And ultimately, when we wait on God, we trust his character. We, we trust his integrity. And we trust his love for us. And I know Jesus loves Doug. And he cannot wait to redeem his body. But in the waiting, Doug has been an example of worship. And here's, as we kind of conclude, I want to I share um, a couple things. One, um, someday you will thank God for everything that he's given you. You will stand before the throne of God and you will say thank you. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for this marriage. Thank you for these kids. Thank you, whatever. Thank you for my body. Like, like you'll give thanks for more than you even realize to God. But it won't stop there. I know it's hard to imagine, but you will thank God for what he didn't give you. You will look, and it may not make sense, but you'll look back on your life now with Jesus. And he goes, do you see why now? And you go, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. Because if I, if like, and he'll have all his reasons, and someday you'll know, but we'll thank God for everything he's given us, and we'll thank God for everything that he's withheld from us. And as we conclude here, here's what I want you to know. Sometimes as a Christian, we go, all right, the only thing that, like, I'm the only person who's waiting, or maybe like this group of people, but listen, God is waiting too. Because God's waiting for you. I had this picture as I, was, as I was kind of praying and thinking through this message, and um, I pictured Jesus, uh, the Son of God, sitting at the Father's right hand, saying, God, let me go, let me go cleanse them. Let me go forgive them. Let me go be born as a baby and grow up among my people. Let me live the life that they should have lived. Let me go die for them. I see their sin. And I want to go. And God says, go. And Jesus comes, and he cleanses us. He forgives us. He creates forgiveness and new life for us. And then he goes back to the Father. And then 2,000 years later, his people grow. People come to know Jesus. And now I picture Jesus going, let me go get him. Let me go be with him. Because I don't know if you know this, the scriptures say Jesus doesn't even know the hour. Which means he's looking at his father going like, is it now? He goes, not yet. He goes, okay. He's sitting on the throne and he's looking and he's seeing you. Like you and your situation and he sees your brokenness. And he goes, let me go, let me go heal. Let me go heal Doug's body. Let me go take away the depression. 
let me wipe away the tear from their eyes. God, let me go. And the father says, wait. And I think what that reveals is, is God does not ask you to do something that he's not doing himself. Jesus is waiting too, and he's waiting for you because he loves you. So my, my invitation for you tonight as Jonathan comes up in the band is don't, wet, don't let what you're longing for become a greater longing than you're longing to be with Jesus. Okay? I know it's hard, but don't, don't let what you're longing for be a greater longing than you're longing to be with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And uh, God, uh, I pray that you would teach us to wait. Uh, I pray that you would teach us to wait honestly. Like David, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to look to you, to wait expectantly. God, to expect from you our answer. God, and I pray that you would teach us to wait humbly. God, to be humble enough to recognize that, God, you know what's best. And so we humble, humble ourselves before you. If you're in the room and you feel comfortable, I just want to encourage you to, to lift your hands in front of you in a posture of uh, receiving. And I just want to give you 30 seconds or so or a minute. That thing, uh, when I asked what you were waiting for, I want you to imagine it uh, in your hands. And I want you to know that the Father sees it. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to take a brave step. I'm going to ask you to give it to Jesus and say, I trust you. And so I just want you to, to practice what we just talked about. Um, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, but I just want you to be honest with God. And I want you to give to him what's in your hands right now. God, we give you what we're waiting for. God, I, I give you my family. God, I trust you and we love you. And uh, we know you're good. And Jesus, um, God, we can't wait for the second advent, Christ, where you come again and you arrive and we're with you. And so God, we praise you and we worship you. We rejoice in our salvation. We love you, Jesus. Amen.